If you've been with us the last couple of weeks for Hype, we've been going through a series called Identity Crisis, where we expose false identities, and we show why Jesus should be our true identity. And this uh, Sunday evening, we are going through the identity of the false identity of status and possessions, and why that will fail you in the end, and why Jesus is better. And tonight, to give you the lesson, we are honored to have a guest speaker tonight. Lydia Benedict. She is a great friend of Amber's. In fact, she was a bridesmaid in our wedding. And so um, I'm going to pray for her, and then she's going to come up and give us our hype lesson for the night. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for all the students that came out. Uh, I just thank you for um, just this opportunity that we get to learn more about who you are, learn more about who we are, and learn more about our need for you. God, I just pray that we would um, have open hearts and open um, minds to just receive and open ears to just hear what Lydia has to say. God, speak through her, use her, um, and help us just to pay attention to what your spirit is doing here tonight. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So welcome, Lydia Benedict, to the stage. Woo! Okay, so first off, we're going to open up our Bibles if you have it, and if not, use your Bible app, and then if you don't have that, we have it on the slide, so open up to Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Okay, all right, Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So when Pastor Kent asked me to talk on the false identity of status and possessions, I knew exactly how I wanted to start this message. I thought it was actually really fitting that the Lord placed on his heart to ask me to speak on this topic because for most of my life, I've struggled with wanting exactly that. And if I'm honest... I still struggle with that. Even as a little girl, I always wanted to marry a rich man who would take care of me and give me a nice house and who'd spoil me and just give me stuff like jewelry and nice clothes because I really like those things. Um, but I think I always wanted this because I saw this with my own parents. I saw their relationship and how my dad loved to spoil her every now and then. And so I thought that if I had a husband that had at least enough money to provide for me and give me a few nice things, then that was what a marriage was supposed to look like. If my parents heard me say that now, though, I know they'd be disappointed to know that that's what I had wanted to take away from their marriage instead of the beautiful home they made for their children with the love of the Lord at the center of it, which it was exactly that. The thing about my parents is that they worked hard at their jobs, and they are extremely generous th with their money. It's not just given to each other, but it's given back. They give to the church for a time, 
And for a time, my parents sponsored a child through World Vision. So in, in there was this little girl in South America that we gave money to to help give her a good life. And they also gave to missionaries that the Lord directed them to support a person or an organization. But I didn't really see that until later in life. All I saw was a nice life, and I saw in my young eyes that they didn't worry about money. I did see that my dad was a budget man, so when it came to money, or when it came to money, and of course that affected me because, you know, he didn't want to spend too much money on the newest and trendiest clothes for me, um, but wanted to use it for something else like, you know, putting food on the table or something. Um, I felt like I didn't have as nice of clothes as my friends did in school, and that made me an uncool person. I saw people with designer clothes in high school, and I thought that technically I could have had that, but my dad just didn't want to spend the money on me, just my mom. So I thought they were being selfish, and but looking back, I realized that I was blessed beyond measure, and I actually had more than most families and children have. And so the spirit of wishing that I had something that others, that I didn't have that others did have came into my heart at a young age. And when I went off to college and had a bit of pocket money from summer jobs, I spent more money than I should have on clothes that my parents wouldn't have bought for me. Our styles were a little different, so I actually had the freedom to buy what I wanted. Um, or I spent it on makeup, or I spent it on jewelry, or food and experiences. I honestly just wanted to be rich so uh, one day so that I could afford the things that I wanted, even though a lot of the times I actually ended up regretting what I bought and felt really guilty. And when I finally got a job after college, my expenses went into more things that I wanted. More often I felt so guilty with the items I purchased or how often I went out to eat instead of saving up money for my future. But to make me feel better, I went out and bought more clothes and food. And it was a huge vicious cycle. It wasn't until I went to become a missionary last year with YWAM, or Youth with a Mission, that I realized how little money and possessions actually mattered. YWAM, for those of you who don't know, is a worldwide mission organization that equips young people, starting from 18 and all the way up, to be missionaries in the world. I was a missionary in training and was in three different countries in the span of six months last year, and I only lived off of two suitcases the entire time. I had no money of my own, but had to trust in God for the first time to provide the funds I needed to carry out the mission I believe he called me to do last year. Just before I left for missions, I felt the Lord tell me that he wanted me to get rid of my entire closet. Um, that meant my, my shoes, my clothes, my accessories, everything except what I would bring with me to YWAM. That wasn't easy to do. I mean, to tell you the truth, I, uh, I really struggled with obeying God in that moment and um, getting rid of most of my closet, but in the end, I obeyed him because I figured God knew best. Um, I got rid of a lot of clothes, and a lot of my items I realized I only ever wore once or never wore at all. Like, I remember I bought this romper, and it was sequins on it, and I bought it because my friends told me I looked good in it, and then I just never wore it because... I didn't, I didn't like it, actually, which was weird. Uh, so I must have, I realized, and I wondered why I even bothered to buy those clothes in the first place. And I probably got rid of at least, like, five huge, hefty bags of my, you know, possessions, my clothes, everything like that. And I thought it would be hard for me to give it away, but when I went to Salvation Army, I actually 
felt such a huge burden uh, coming off of my shoulders that I didn't even know I had. And when I only lived off of those two suitcases of what I needed during my time in missions, it was honestly more than enough, and I felt like I actually had too much stuff in with me as I traveled to those different countries. And to be honest, in those six months of living off of nothing, I felt more joy than I ever had in having everything, in a sense. And I hadn't realized until I gave up my materialistic life that I was trying to be successful in the eyes of the what the world says is successful. I wanted to have money for the sole purpose of buying things that I wanted. I wanted to be a famous singer so that people would know my name. I wanted to be known by people more than I wanted to be known by God. And I hadn't realized that my desire for stuff could actually hinder my relationship with Jesus. But what does scripture say? Matthew 6:21 for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. The things of this world, even the clothes on my back, will be destroyed one day by moss and rust. My rings on my finger, my cross necklace, even though they show a piece of who I am and they are dear to my heart, I don't need them and they will also rust away one day. We cannot bring these things of the earth with us to heaven. And your allowance now or the money you will make one day will also pass away. Putting your trust and heart in something that is man-made and will rot away one day is, you know, pretty, it's foolishness. Money, status, and possessions are a God of its own. And scripture is clear that you cannot serve both money and God. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Is money bad in itself? No. It is the source of how we live our lives. It's how we get food on the tables and, you know, make sure that we can live our life. And it can be a source of good, and we can give back with it. But if we allow our hearts to love money more than we love God, then that is when it can start to corrupt your heart. The love of money or status or possessions turns into greed, desire for power, and wanting what other people have. I lived in Texas for a few years, and in that time, I knew a man once that is the top boss of a billion-dollar food company. He claims to be a Christian, and whether that's true or not, I don't know, and I'll let God judge, but from what I saw, he was a power-hungry man. He made every decision with the thought of how much money he would be giving up, and when he did give money, he only did it so his power could be elevated to the point where he could control how he wanted that money to be used. So he gave money, but with strings attached. His actions and words towards people he worked with looked to be good at first, but when he turned away, he used his employees that he trusted to see if there were any people who were unfaithful to him. He would talk badly about you behind your back, but then talk to you in person as though he thought you were the best person he knew. His love for money dictated how he, loved, he lived his life instead of letting Christ influence his actions and his words. Unfortunately, I have seen how greed can turn a man away from Jesus, even if they do claim to love him. Again, I don't know his heart truly, but the Bible is clear in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I share about this man with you, not to tear him down or share just how terrible of a man he is, because the truth is I don't hate him. I pray that God will transform his heart so that he will be full of love instead of greed. 
and paranoia and hatred. But I share this story with you to warn you what will happen if you put your identity in status, money, and possessions. Those things cannot save a man. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 shares about those who will not enter heaven, and included in that list are those who are greedy. Why? Because if we fester on those things, if we, we let it control our hearts, it will slowly darken them. You know, Hannah Montana may say that we can have the best of both worlds, but the truth is that only one man can truly bless us. Does this mean that God won't use his children and place them in high leadership roles, or that he won't use them to be well-known through their talents, or that he'll prevent you from having an abundance of money? I don't think so. I mean, in fact, I, I believe he wants to use his faithful children in higher positions to be a light to those who are encompassed in the dark. Look at David, for example. He was the lowest of the low, a shepherd who played music to the, to the sheep. He was a handsome young man, but he wasn't even considered by his own father, Jesse, to be looked at when Samuel came to find the one after God's own heart to be the next king of Israel. But God chose David because of his heart and elevated his position so that David could lead his people to follow him. Did David mess up? All the time. But the difference between Saul, the first king of Israel, and David in their positions was that Saul allowed his heart to fall away from the Lord, where he cared more about the position and status he held than he did God. He cared more about the decisions he made instead of consulting God than he did following God's will and his advice. He cared more about what people thought than he did what God thought. Whereas David came to God in humility and asked for his forgiveness whenever he sinned against the Lord. David always remembered the God he served and always wanted to help God's children worship and love God more. Our heart posture is what matters. Whom we choose to serve matters, and what or whom we decide to put our identity will shape us into who we become. Now, if you will open your Bibles to Luke 12, 13 through 21, we're going to read that also. And it says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made, who made, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves that, but is not rich toward God. When I read this passage, more specifically verses 18 and 19, I couldn't help but think how dumb this man was to tear down perfectly good barns to build bigger ones. I mean, why couldn't he just build another small barn in addition to what he had? He not only tore down those good buildings, but he spent more time and money on building those bigger barns, thinking that he will be able to sit, lay back, and enjoy life more, which could have been true. But when I thought about this more, I thought, how often do we do the same thing? Maybe we don't have barns like this man did, but how often do we want to get rid of perfectly fine clothes just so we can keep up with the latest trend? How often are we excited to get the newest iPhone and excited about all of its new features when once the next iPhone comes out, you look at your phone and think it's not as good as the next, as the new one will be? 
And how often do we feel like once you get the newest, latest, greatest things, you'll finally be happy? I hate to break this to you, but if you are constantly wishing to have the nicest things, you will never be content. Take it from me. For a time, I'd go to Target or go online when I was angry or depressed and start shopping to make myself feel better. And if I'm being honest, I sometimes still do that. But in Luke 12, 20, God calls this man a fool after he thinks he will be merry after building those bigger and newer barns. We are also fools for thinking we will be merry after we buy new things or if we believe that we'll be happy once we've reached a new promotion in our jobs just for the desire to be on top or to be the best in sports or the best singer or anything like that. Those things may give you temporary satisfaction, but it doesn't help you with life after death, and it certainly doesn't help grow you in being content in Jesus. That man was building up a life of possession so he could have a more cushy life, but God wants us to be rich in him, and for those who lay up treasures in themselves and not in him, their soul will be in danger. So why Jesus? Why should you or I put our identity in Jesus instead of in status or possessions? Why should we give up putting our, your, our treasures here on earth instead of storing up treasures in heaven? To put it simply, treasures on earth don't last, but Jesus does. What status you achieve here on earth doesn't save, but Jesus does. How much money you make in your lifetime or how many pairs of shoes you have or anything that you even own right now and won't keep you from passing away. There is no fountain of youth for you to continue living on earth so you can continue enjoying your things that you have and that you can enjoy forever and ever. One day you will part from this earth and you will part from your possessions. There are some people who think that if they put their jewelry or their most prized possessions in their coffins after they die that that should go to heaven with them, right? But it doesn't. It just rots away just like their earthly bodies will. Those things cannot save our souls. And if we choose to love money and possessions more than loving God, our identity will be in something that can be taken away from us at any given moment. And if possessions can be taken away from us at any moment, then our identity is lost because we no longer have what made us who we thought we were. But if we put our trust and identity in Jesus, when we die, we still have Jesus. Even if we don't have anything in terms of money, food, or even a home to live in, we will still know who we are. We will still know that we are a child of God and we are heirs of the kingdom of heaven. And that identity is something no one can take away from us. But what about status? Surely status can't be that bad. I mean, doing well on what you want to achieve in life is not in itself a bad thing. God gives us drive and he wants us to do well for the purpose of glorifying him. But when it gets to a point that we want to glorify ourselves, that's when it becomes a bad and dangerous thing. There is danger in making yourself out to be a god. There is danger in trying to be perfect in all that you do. And there is danger in trying to please people in order to be liked. Now, I know that you can't relate with jobs because you probably don't have one. (laughs) But I think that a lot of you probably can relate to popularity in school or being the best in school at something, right? That's the same thing. I mean, when I was in middle and high school, I wanted to be popular so badly, but I I wasn't. (laughs) And I just had to look at the popular folks to see how I should act and what I should wear in order to try and achieve that same status, which I never did. I was trying to be someone I wasn't, and I was trying to be perfect, which is something that no man but Jesus has ever achieved of being. I was trying to please people, which is something that I can't do with everyone or at all. I mean, I'm going to make mistakes. 
And even if I were popular in high school, I would still be wearing a mask. I would still be trying to reach for something that is not attainable. When you put your identity in Jesus instead of status or of popularity or how many times you make it to the champions in your sport or how many times you make a one in, in singing UIL, which I don't know if any of you can relate to, um, but you don't have to be anything other than yourself. You don't have to try to be perfect because we're never going to be. We are flawed by birth and by nature, yet when we come to know Jesus, he looks at us and says in Isaiah 118 that our hearts have been made white as snow. He says in Colossians 122 that we are blameless in his sight. You don't have to try and be perfect when God just wants you. Man has high expectations for us in reaching a level of per perfection or in school with your grades or in your job or even how you interact with your friends, but God has no expectations for you and desires for you to come as you are. That's why our identity should be in Jesus instead of status and possessions. People fail us. Possessions rot away. But when we put our faith and identity in Jesus, we have the beautiful gift of being able to live one day for all of eternity with him in heaven. And Jesus will never hold anything over our heads or tell us that we have to achieve a certain level of anything to be loved by him or have the nicest things to enter his kingdom. We can come as we are. You can come as you are, and he will give you a source of joy that no amount of money or popularity or achievement can ever give you. So I just want to end with this. God loves you <laughs> so much, and in your life, you may feel as though you have to reach something in order to be good enough. The truth is we're never going to be good enough, but we are worthy in the sight of God. He makes us worthy when we come to know him. And he calls us loved, and he calls us, he gives us an identity, a new name, his child, when we put our trust in him. And so if anything that I've shared with you that you can relate to, and maybe you feel as though you're trying to reach for something, that level of perfection or status, or that you want possessions to make you feel whole, I would just encourage you to talk to your leaders tonight and just have that conversation and be honest with you because with them about it because there's there's no there first of all there's no judgment and there's a place for grace at the foot of the cross. So I want to just give you that encouragement and um yeah, end in prayer right now. Dear God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the words that you've given me to speak, and I just pray that it blesses these young women and men, Lord Jesus, and that they would be able to come into small group and be able to have discussion of being able to be more, more like you and learn how to be more like you and learn that their identity is in you and nothing here on earth can, um, can shape them into who they are, but that they should put it into you, Lord Jesus. I just pray that they would just be blessed and that this next week that they would go out and... Um, in newness, Lord Jesus, and that they would be able to walk a new walk of learning that you are the only one who calls them loved and a child of God, Lord Jesus. So we just thank you and praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, Lydia. Hopefully you guys were paying attention before going to small groups. Uh, a couple of big things that I took away from, just to kind of recap before we head into our groups. Um, I heard some really good things about 
um, how we can't put our identity in possessions. There's a couple quotes um, that I known that I, I was reading a book and um, one of them said, you've heard it said, the man with the most toys wins, right? If you have the most, someone else doesn't have as much as you, then you win. But even then, the man with the most toys still dies. So, he can't take anything with him. Lydia mentioned that and that is very true for us. Um, that, you know, it doesn't matter how much you have and how much you get because can't save you because the man with the most toys at the end of the day still dies. There's another quote that came to mind that says this, if who you are is what you ha- is defined by what you have and one day when what you have is gone then who are you? It's asking this question that if I define myself by what I have and when I die or when something gets lost or burned up and I no longer have that, then who am I? If I've defined myself, if I've identified myself with that possession, I'm lost. Lydia also was talking about that, how without, with, without Christ, who is eternal, who stays with us no matter what, or our, our identity is always going to be changing. It's going to be lost. It's going to be taken away. We're going to be in an identity crisis, and that's why we have this series. 